You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. We have literally lost the meaning for love, hate, and other words. Even though the word love might have lost a great deal of meaning, I think we're using it more than ever, aren't we? We use it so much. This idea of love still captures our attention. It resonates with something inside us. You know, people often turn it into a commodity, don't they? Uh, and we lap it up. Think of, I mean, there's so many examples, but think of TV. Think of the shows that draw us in. The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, Love Island. You know, marketing gurus, they know what they're doing when they put the pursuit of love front and centre. It draws us in. Something, a part of us can't help it. Because we thirst for it, don't we? A part of us thirsts for love. But what is it really? What does it mean? How do we rediscover its true meaning? I've got three kids and uh, most nights when the two little ones go to bed, I spend some time reading with my oldest son. He's eight now. I've been doing it for a little while. and I read to him. We've been reading some more advanced books as he gets older. And last, uh, last year, we read Roald Dahl's famous autobiography, the first part of his life, called Boy. Some of you might know of the book. It's a fantastic book. And in the book, he, um, he talks about quite a few complicated things. And so my son's always stopping me. What's that, Dad? Lots of questions. And Roald Dahl talks a lot about boarding school. And uh, of course, my son says, Dad, what's that? What's boarding school? And in typical annoying fatherly fashion, I say, son, what do you think it is? And uh, he was only seven at the time, and he just couldn't get past the fact that it's got to be something to do with school, like his school, and learning about boards. He just (laughs) couldn't get past it, right? He was only seven, and he just didn't have the, um, couldn't come up on his own. He didn't have the capacity or the knowledge to come up with the answer on his own. And it's the same for us in the concept of love. And that might be quite jarring. You might think, hang on a second. But I reckon we've got to humbly admit that on our own, we're just unable to come up with a definition that's not self-centred, it's not largely based on emotional, or that's certainly true, that it's not largely based on um, what we can get out of it. So this morning we want to talk about, um, so I'll just get my clicker here, excuse me. I always forget that. Um, So this morning... We've got to admit that on our own, we're unable to come up with the definition ourselves. We need the one who made us to give us the answer. From the New Testament, 1 John 4.10 says this, this is love. You want to know? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, the Bible gives us a window. You want to know what love is like? Come and have a look. The Bible gives us a window we can look through and see the very definition of love on display, a definition by which all other references to love must be measured against. Love is this, Jesus dying on that cross to pay for our sins, to bring us back to God. Now let's spend some time reflecting on our readings. Let's spend some time now reflecting on this definition of love. As we heard After Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, had washed his hands of Jesus, not wanting to get involved with the Jews and their issue, not seeking out real justice, 
He hands Jesus over to be sentenced to death, and he hands hands him over to evil and brutal men, the Roman soldiers, and they gather around him, torturing him and humiliating him, maybe up to several hundred soldiers, imagine. And they mock him. He says he's a king. Well, let's treat him like one. They strip him. Just think about that, being exposed in front of that many people, naked. They put a dirty robe on him. They make him a crown because he's a king, right? But this crown is a crown of thorns. Think about that. They took time to make fashion a brutal crown of thorns, pressed it upon his head. They joked between each other, taking turns to bow in front of him. They spit in his face and beat him repeatedly with a staff. Jesus, the Son of God, who knew the comfort of heaven, who knew the adoration of angels, who got off his throne, who took off his royal clothes, who took off his real crown to pursue humanity, is now beaten, mocked, and humiliated. Why would he endure such pain and humiliation? This is love. They take him to a place outside the city walls, and there they crucify him. That's all we're told about the act of crucifixion in the gospel accounts. No gory details. There they crucified him. Maybe everyone back then knew the specific details about crucifixion, and maybe the gospel writers just didn't want to get involved in the gory details. Either way, it was a horrific way to die. Nails driven into your hands and feet, left there to hang until you are too weak to haul yourself up for a breath, until you finally suffocated. This was no quick death. Did you notice as we were reading through the narrative the amount of insults Jesus receives? So many insults from so many different people, the criminals, the Jewish leaders, the crowd, passers-by, they all have their turn hurling insults at Jesus. Save yourself. You helped others. Now help yourself. Call yourself a king. Come down and then we'll believe you. Let's see if the God he trusts in will save him. Have you ever heard someone say something and just thought, ooh, you shouldn't have said that. You don't, know, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know the gravity of what you're saying. Have you ever heard that and just kind of cringe at the words? Maybe you've said that. I know I've done it. See, part of the tragedy of this whole scene is just the bitter irony. See, these mockers, they speak a lot of truth. He is the king. He did save others. Of course he could have saved himself, but he chooses to stay on the cross. He could have summoned an army of angels to wipe out everybody there. He could have used his power of the Son of God to get off that cross and show them, but he doesn't. He won't. Why? Because of his love for you and for me. Because of his love for humanity. Because this is how he will save us. This is how he will save even the ones mocking him at that moment. This is love. One commentator says, it was the power of love, not nails, that kept him there. The onlookers, the soldiers, the chief priests, they may not have known what was really going on, 
But did you notice creation did? A terrible darkness comes over the land for three hours. The only appropriate response for the death of the Son of God. And then Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, experiencing the absolute horror of bearing every single sin ever committed and that would ever be committed. Just the violence of this moment cannot be overstated. God's justice and his mercy collide at this point. Oh, we want a God of justice. We don't want a God that's okay about sin. Don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll just you know, sweep it under the rug. We want a God of justice. And here we see God's justice and his incredible mercy collide in this astounding moment. Jesus right here experiences the pain of separation from God the Father as he breathes his last. At that moment, not only was the sky darkened, but the earth shook. In the temple where the Jews worshipped God, there was a holy of holies right at the very front where only one person would go very, very rarely. It's where God dwelt. And right there, the curtain separating that from everybody else was torn in two, signifying a great change in how God would now relate with his people that sin has been dealt with. Just imagine being there. A centurion witnessing the whole thing says this, surely this man was the son of God. This is love. And this is the truth, that this love is extended to you and I. This love was done on our behalf. Romans 5.8 says this, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we're here today to remember. See, this is the good news of Good Friday. Have you ever wondered why it's called Good Friday? Jesus died. Why is it good? Oh, it is good. It's death for Jesus, but it's forgiveness of sin for us. Here's the thing. To receive this love, experience this good news, every one of us must understand the part we played in the story. We're not merely spectators. We are participants in the death of Jesus to quote the beautiful hymn we've just sung. Isn't that a powerful, beautiful song? Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Let me ask you this. Are you able to recognize that you contributed to the reason Jesus had to hang on that cross? Can you recognize that you haven't loved God with all your heart, that you've turned away from him, that you've put something else apart from God in the place where he should be in your life and you've, you've lived for that thing, shutting him out entirely? Until we identify with the reason for the cross, we cannot receive the victory of the cross. Or to put it positively, once we realize that we were there, that it's our sin being dealt with, it's not some abstract thing, it's our sin being dealt with, then we are on our way 
to receiving the benefits of the cross, forgiveness of sin. Here's the gospel. We are so sinful that Jesus had to die. There was no other way. But we are so loved, he was willing to do it. That's the truth of today. Friends, we know the story doesn't end here. We know the story does not end here. In two days' time, we'll gather together again to celebrate the empty tomb that Jesus rose from the dead. But today, we choose to stop here. We choose to stop and remember the sacrifice Jesus made for you and for me on our behalf. And let me ask, have you ever put your faith in this Jesus Have you ever acknowledged your position before God? Have you ever had the desire to connect with the one who made you? Look at what he did for you. His arms are nailed open wide in embrace to welcome you home. Maybe today, Good Friday, maybe today is the day to receive his love shown for you on the cross. Would you join me as we pray? If that's you, if you want to reconnect with the one who made you today, you want to take a significant step toward God this day, then please pray along with me. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We are sorry for contributing to it. Jesus, we ask for forgiveness And we want to turn towards you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.